1: Go and be part of a community and start learning from them. I think it will be very powerful.
0: Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I just had my interview with Chaitra and wow, I mean, what a heart driven leader who truly wants to elevate other women. I'm really impressed by her value system. I felt so energized interviewing her. We did this cool thing like right at the beginning before we started recording. We took a breath together to feel really grounded and connected and it was a really lovely moment. She and I both shared later in the interview that we both struggle with anxiety. So it's important for us to do those wellness checks on ourselves to make sure that we're showing up the way that we wanna show up in situations. I have this piece of art next to me that says, believe bigger, And I feel like that's the kind of person that Chaitra is. She's a person that inspires others to believe bigger, to believe in ourselves more, and to make sure that we're being valued, getting paid, getting ahead all while doing it, while living an ethical life filled with integrity and heart. It was such a joy to have her on the show, and I'm excited for you to enjoy the interview as much as I enjoyed the conversation. Here's my interview with Chaitra. Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Chaitra, coming at us from Seattle. Hello. Hello. So excited to have me here. I'm so excited that you're on because not only are you an incredible founder in tech, but you are a community leader like I am. And I can't wait to talk about women in cloud and everything you have going on. You do so much for the community. But before we get into everything, go ahead and give us kind of the standard baseline about who you are and what you do. As professors,
1: I'm very, very excited to be here. When I got this opportunity, I was like dancing first. I was like, oh, that's so cool to meet another community organizer and an enabler. So a little bit about me. I usually describe myself as I'm a curious uh, human being. I love to curate amazing people who can work on bold ideas. And I'm also a collector of uh, frameworks. I love anything that can be done fast, quick, easy so we can automate anything. But in my real life, I'm a mother of two kids. One is working and one is finishing his high school. I'm married to an amazing man who's married for 28 years. I have some amazing friends, a great daughter and friends call me that I'm a a. 2am friend for them.
0: (gasps) I've never heard that saying and I love it a a. 2am friend. Did you create that or did you get it from somewhere else? I think I heard because I uh, basically my
1: friendship, I always say is if you have a deep friendship, you should be comfortable calling them at 2am. And if you can become that, that means you have found your tribe. You have found someone to really share your life with. And I love that part because all my friends are like that and we are all there for each other. So we are not lonely. So we are together.
0: That's so cool. Sometimes when I, I just want to say something really sincere, I'll say you can call me at any time, really even in the middle of the night and and someone will look at me and be like, wait, really? I'm like, yes, really. Like, I care about you. So I love that you said that. I want to dive in to your community work first and then we'll get into your, your company. And we're also going to talk about, you know, before we got started, you and I both were really into breathing and grounding ourselves to make sure we had like really positive positive energy together, and calm energy. And so we're going to talk about what we can do. You have a tip for me that I actually asked you to hold on to that I'm very excited to hear about how to balance our hormones. Like I can't wait. So we're going to talk about all the things. But let's get started in your community work because that's just amazing, awesome, not easy, you have incredible opportunities for for women in tech around the world. I'm just I'm so elated to share your voice with everyone. So tell us about your women in cloud work.
1: Sure, but before I think I go deep down into women in cloud, you need to know where I came from because that would help you a little bit. Um, I grew up in India and I used to do a lot of community work because it helped me to kind of serve the, the temples. Then I went into a Rotary Club. Then I was part of a fashion network. So it was just always the people were there. What I really learned through the community work early on, it's like access creation. So when you create access for each other, you can really accomplish your ultimate potential. So when I came to US, that kind of network building was extremely hard. So that one was 25 years ago. So I joined my corporate work for at Oracle and Microsoft. I had my uh, you know, organizational network, but when it came to community network, I was participating in the TED network because I love stories. I participated in anything with 3D printing, uh, anything with health related stuff. But when I left the corporate world and started uh, my own company, I realized how fragmented the network is for women tech founders. And what we realized is if you have to build a million dollars of enterprise contracts, there is no support system available. So when I did the research, I found less than 2% of the women founders have access to enterprise contracts and these are billions of dollars and it's a very small segment of us so i went to department of commerce i went to rotary clubs i went to chamber of commerce nobody had anything for women tech founders they said go to the private equity go to an investor network go to startup groups but nothing which showcased is how can you build is a million dollar contracts and what does it take so that one was a genesis of setting is a billion dollar access network which focuses on economic access and that's how women in cloud was born on a piece of napkin because my friends are all uh, were from microsoft so i was like hey we all have seen this but we don't have anything for women can we do something together so the first is let's write the vision of what we want to do. So we said $1 billion of economic access. We looked at each other. I say it's big vision, so we can really work on for our eternity and we can see what a kind of accomplishments we can do. Five years into, We have 100,000 members in 67 countries. We have created a $500 million of valuation of these companies doing enterprise contracting. And we have made Microsoft Marketplace, which is a cloud marketplace, representation of women through the attestation work. We have scaled things that we have never been possible to do. And it really started with a deep pain and a deep desire to solve. And that's how the community was created.
0: If I'm a woman in cloud out there, and I maybe I don't have a sense of community right now, what can your organization do for me?
1: Oh, fantastic question. I think I would always ask any woman who's in tech to say is if you're looking for building your executive presence, we have a full, plan to help you develop your influence your power your story narrative so that you can stand out well and you can start building your persona to really lead a million dollar business within a company if you're a founder and you're saying i have a tech solution or a service but i don't know how to partner with microsoft google amazon or any of the global si's you can come to us And you have boot camps, you have an accelerator program, you can join that. If you are a person who is trying to get into tech and I want to get certified on cloud and AI and power apps, we have scholarships available for women who can be part of it. Now, if a woman who is in power seat and have money and they say, I want to invest, we have master fund, we have MXW Ventures, we have Chai Angels, so we have a investment network, you can come in and invest. And you say I have a lot of time, I, you can mentor, you can coach women. So everybody has something for that. It's really based on your time, money and energy, depending upon what you are ready to contribute to a community, there's something for you to take on.
0: And where can they find out
1: more? They can go to womenincloud.com and they have everything there. I always say sign up for our newsletter that will will unlock um, lots of access and opportunities for each one of them. And people who go through it, they really feel as we are the only community that doesn't have a membership program. We give access as free access. Really the requirement is you're committed to your own growth and then you're going to work hard to achieve what you want to achieve but we'll open the doors based on the effort you put in so and it's a collective contribution and collective action work
0: that's such an important thing to share it's so simple yet so many people don't how much effort do you put in there's a podcaster i love i imagine you may have heard of this podcast diary of a ceo are you familiar with it? Okay, and he he has a vlog called Behind the Diary, and he left his email in the vlog. Pretty sure it was New Year's Day. It was January 1st, and I was like, let me try. Who knows? I created a Loom video and sent the email. I don't know if I'll hear back, but it's so funny how many opportunities we have as easy like that. Just someone leaves their phone number or their email, and we just don't take the action. And it's not that the one action will pay up, but when you do the action a hundred times, five hundred times, a thousand times, a good percentage do pay off. And so it's all about taking the action in the first place.
1: Yeah, they always say fortune is in follow-ups and taking yes. bold actions. So if you do yes. bold, if you have a bold action and you can follow up on it, the fortune is on your side.
0: I love that. And the thing that you mentioned about helping people grow in their thought leadership what's so both frustrating and just what really happens is the more community you have the more you grow in thought leadership and so people are like why don't i get the likes on twitter or on linkedin or or apologies x who knows i'm still lean twitter you know on on social networks why don't i get this why don't i get that Unfortunately, it is about community rallying around you to support what you're creating. And then that leads to even more support from strangers. But when you don't have that initial baseline of community, it does make it a lot harder. So I imagine having that support system within Women in Cloud really does elevate you. And that is the secret sauce that that all these people have that you see is are so popular online they started with a basis of a network that they met somewhere all raising one another up just like the famous mr. Beast youtuber he had uh, five people and they would all grind it out YouTube and and now he's one of the biggest if not the biggest um, independent youtubers and so I love that I love that you provide community for women in cloud and that we don't have to go at it alone it's amazing how accessible you make it and I think you're workshops probably also empower women to ask for their worth instead of hoping someone will come around and just give it to us we gotta ask
1: <laughs> so
0: he- here is something
1: i wanted to share because you are so spot on i have a lot of members who come in just to extract from the community right not to build relationship and not uh, in the intent it's just like i need to come and speak and i want some likes and shares that's not how you build. So we've created like an inner circle within the Women in Cloud, where I said, invest in building friendships with people. And when you build friendship, then everyone is going to grow. So as part of the friendship, there are a few things you also have to do. You need your signature talk that can become a Ted talk so that everybody, when they listened, you're moving a needle for some topic or some initiative. Second is build your presence as a giver, as a contributor, not as an extractor of everything, because people see you. They can smell when it's just a momentarily need. And number three is when you see your own tribe, lift them up. Start doing for others, you know, share your gratitude when you do some basic things is just very powerful. And I always say start with an invitation for them to come and experience, give them something, bring people together with you and sponsor a tables, uh, sponsor tickets and go out and walk with them and be that 2 a.m. friend. Uh, trust me, you'll have an amazing community around you.
0: Agree. And I'm sure there's so many of you being like, yeah, but where do I even get started? Or how do I do a TED Talk? That can't be me. That's why Chaitra's here. Just join womenincloud.com. I, it sounds like a sales pitch, but I, I mean it. It's like she gets the essence of what it is to build community. And so you don't have to have the answers right now. All you have to do is go to a website and just start exploring and it won't cost you anything. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about Women in Cloud before we get into the the deep awesomeness of your background and how you became the women in tech you are today?
1: Absolutely. I would say is it's a beautiful community. We we have grown on a philosophy of collective action, so that when we can come together, we don't need anything else, everything will happen. And sometimes I always say it takes five to 10 people to move the needle on the planet. So let's make sure we are all connected. And each one of you have that five to 10 people connected, that's the tribe size you need to have in place, which is your 2am friend to do magic on this planet.
0: Completely, completely, completely am on the same page. Let's get into your background. You talked a little bit, a little Cliff Notes version earlier. So walk us back. When did you first discover technology and it became a big interest for you?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. (laughs) I actually wanted to be an Air Force pilot or a fashion designer. So those were my two things because I love colors. I love speed. I love that exhilaration that you get with doing stuff. But my parents had a completely different vision for me. They wanted me to be a housewife. But because I used to, I got a scholarship uh, to get into engineering, My mom said, you know, just get it done just in case one day if something goes wrong with your relationship, you have something to pay the bills because I was kind of a quiet rebel because I would do what I wanted. But my mom knew I was not like a marriage material. They were trying to accomplish that, but it was very hard. So anyway, I did my engineering and I got to meet um, my cobalt teacher first year he thought I was a faculty member. And he was saying, it's like, it's so hard to get girls into computer class and I don't know what to do. And he thought I was a faculty and I don't know what, but he was also very young and we just had a great coffee and we were chatting. and. I said, don't worry, I'll get some girls into the class and we'll see what's possible. So I had all my girlfriends. I said, please come. It's going to be cool. He's a very cute teacher. So you should want to come and see because you don't have young teachers in college. Right. So. Basically, we got like 20 to 30 girls there and I was also sitting in the back and I was like, I first time I saw the power of that black screen, what it could do. That was my first exposure to computers, Uh, but I never wanted to do computer engineering, but I did electrical engineering. So I knew the power to see the invisible what happens when you can move the electricity and the atoms and protons and, you know, electrons. You know what you could do. So I was like, this is kind of powerful. So that kind of was my first exposure to technology. Then once I got married, moved to U.S., there was a TV episode on Microsoft Windows 95 launch. It was the first beautiful, you know, GUI interface. I was like, oh, my God, how can technology be so colorful? I want to learn about it. So, and that was a very emerging tech. And then my husband said, I think you should go explore. So I went and took some classes, got a job at Oracle, uh, did extremely well because I could explain the concept because I had engineering background. And then I moved into the Safra Katz and Larry Ellison's Oval Office to do licensing simplification for pricing and contracts because no one understood how to really sell these big deals. So I became a licensing consultant in understanding how to do. So we did a software licensing guide uh, explaining in those beautiful graphics and every salesperson loved it. They're like, this is the first time you know how to sell technology and especially multiplexing to complex database infrastructure. Uh, That's when I knew I knew how to look at an invisible code, attach a licensing, knew how to take it through the channel, through the sales, And that allowed me to kind of get into technology at a depth because I really enjoyed that whole process. And from there was moving into Microsoft to do billion-dollar contracts uh, and billion-dollar network. It was just amazing because I knew how people started to make money through technology. I knew how to sell, but I didn't know how they make. So then I got to be in the entrepreneurship side and started to learn how it works so that's kind of the journey but i just love technology i'm always trying to learn about it now ai is like oh my god i'm so excited but i'm also afraid at the same time first time in technology i feel it
0: you talked a lot about process and you talked a lot about learning let's talk about learning first you've done a lot of big things in your career and when you first started i imagine it was new to you what is your process to learn to become an expert
1: oh that's pretty simple so when you do engineering they say get the fundamentals right so i kind of go to basic nodes of information you need to gather is what is kind of the basic principles of how it works, what are the laws that you need to understand. Then I go into is how the application of those laws get implemented and how it's used. Then I go into the beautification is how is it packaged Once it's packaged, how does it get priced and then how it gets sold and then how it gets adopted. So it's kind of like a structure process that I have. So everything that I do is I go from the customer to the code and go reverse engineer everything. So that comes from the engineering background. And then I would look at to say, so once I know the reverse engine, then I take as the money line and say, what does the money line look like? Then what does the people line look like? And then I look at is what's the process line is automation piece.
0: I've been an entrepreneur my whole adult life. Really, I became an entrepreneur as a little child. But the thing that I've learned in my years of being a founder is the most important thing is process. And I don't think... The majority of us understand that because we're such creative people we're executors but we leave the process behind because we just want to hurry up and do the thing it's so valuable what you're saying about process can you speak to us more about process and also how your company now that's where you lean into like supporting others in the process
1: i'm a go-to-market expert because i have the technology i have the marketing and then i have the the audience piece of how the audience needs to be consumed so When you are doing go-to-market, you're really not thinking about marketing, but is how do you move the market with influence and power? That's kind of the piece. So when you do it, you literally have to write down the steps you have to go through to move the market. That means move the market is every person who is part of that engagement is experiencing transformation. Not just, oh, I feel good. No, it's a full transformation. So if I have to lose weight, for example, then I have to do is reverse engineer is okay. I need to do X, Y, Z, and this many days it will take. I have to eat this kind of food, I have to work out, I need to have my mindset and calmness, I need to look at my hormones, I need to look at my sleep. It's a lot of things, and that's what gets you transformation. And most of the people don't understand transformation is series of atomic steps coming together. And once those atomic steps come together and they all start connecting and it becomes a habit, now you have a transformation that is sustainable right so that's kind of how i look so when you look at any of my work i have like checklist of line items and then i'm looking at say why do what went wrong why did it happen what is the missing component why did the audience did not or a participant had a problem with the issue do we have the right faq so it's kind of a lot it's an art and a science so it's not just something you can do as an entrepreneur, when you think about it, is having a discipline on defining the process steps is magical. It will save you hours and time and also helps your team to execute really precisely well.
0: A hundred percent, because it's not just about you, the founder, executing. It's about the whole team being on the same page and communicating that process. And not just that, And this is something I continuously need to become better at in in my leadership style is sometimes I'll share the process, but not the why behind the process. So my team isn't as invested because they don't understand why we're doing that thing. And then I don't realize I haven't shared the why. And when they understand the why they're like, oh, no problem. And I'm like, I didn't know you cared about why that step was in place. (laughs)
1: Here's how I do it. Maybe it's a perspective that you can take. I usually write an outcome. The outcome, let's say if it's a program, we need 100 people achieving XYZ transformation. So now let's go reverse engineer it? What does it take to those 100 people? Because you need 10,000 people in the front to get to that 100 people truly transformed, right? And then that is your why, right? That's the why. And then you go back and say, let's look at all the gates that they have to go through to get to that transformation. And that is the case study. And we see so many people falling off each of the gates because motivation went away. They didn't have the money. They are not ready. They have family crisis, health crisis, so many things. So those are the kind of things. It's usually is an outcome-based process.
0: Walk us through your company now. Tell us all the things. Oh, um, so the company name
1: is called Mela. So it's a Sanskrit word. It stands for community that powers uh, economic development. So that's what Mela is so if you look at uh, when you see if you go to India if you see Mela that means is it's driving commerce so we wanted to bring is the same concept into the technology world so what we do is we provide world-class go-to-market uh, strategy work as well as get things done like everything that is whether they want to build a plan we have services for that if they want to drive demand gen we have a service or they want to acquire customers and sustain customers so we have an entire go-to-market for tech companies to really work with hyperscalers so they are extremely successful so they can build million dollar businesses by putting a structured and efficient go-to-market so they don't have to waste a lot of money
0: if you feel comfortable would you share one story with us about a company you've worked with and the kind of transformation that they experienced in in working with mela
1: Absolutely. So uh, we have a customer called Integral, led by Dexter Hardy. Uh, He's based out of Atlanta, a great friend of us now. They basically had a powerful uh, services and technology components on the Microsoft marketplace. They drove millions of dollars of transaction. However, they had an opportunity to create um, enterprise contracts so that they could bundle it in such a way so that each contract could be a million dollar contract because they were providing cloud automation services as a service and they just needed to figure out how do you put all the pieces together into a way that an enterprise company can implement so their team do not have to struggle. So we help them put their go-to-market plan, which is their solution narrative, what it looks like, how do you co-sell with Microsoft, so this are very structured, a go-to-market activities with correct investments, what they will bring to the table, what Microsoft will bring to the table and how they're going to invest and what are the results. Due to that one, they partnered with Women in Cloud. We took them to India because they knew that's where the audience resided. They were using their services. They got to meet with them. They got to connect. So they saw like a thousand percent increase in the consumption of their services and they were also leading into enterprise discussions.
0: You know, the thing that is, my favorite thing about you is there's so many companies out there and there's so many people in tech so many strategic alliances all this stuff there's not so many people that deeply genuinely care about you as an individual behind all the work behind all the insights and It's my favorite thing about you, knowing that when someone works with you, whether it's women in cloud in your community work or it's with Mela, not only are they working with a person who's very seasoned and has a lot of expertise, they're working with someone who truly cares about you as an individual. And I have this feeling that everyone you cross paths matters to you on a deep level. Even if you you don't show (laughs) it every day, but I just feel like that's the kind of person you are.
1: Yes, for me, uh people are the most amazing thing that happened on this planet. We get, we have emotion, we have feeling. I I really love people. Like I and I know they have the dark side, they have the good side, they have the neutral side. But most of us deal with anxiety. We most deal with pain. We each one of us are lonely in so many ways and as you're aging, you feel it. But when you can find a friend in each other, this living on this planet feels amazing. It's thrilling. Otherwise, it's like, I don't know why am I here, right? So for me is being that friend in people's life matters to me a lot and if I can bring any access for them, because that's what I have done is to accumulate a lot of currency around access. So I think I can help anyone who comes in my life without expecting anything. If you want to do something great, otherwise please take and accomplish. Hopefully one day you will go back and say, oh, that was good for me. cloud did something for me. Otherwise, I don't expect anything.
0: Let's get into that because how we show up really creates our reality, the energy that we show up in. So we could either show up resentful or we could show up vibrant. And that sounds a lot easier said than done. And I've been through many chapters of my life from burnout chapters to really abundant chapters. You and I, before we start recording, we're talking about hormones. It's something I, I think a lot about sleep. I think you, we talked about nutrition. Let's get into empowering everyone listening right now how we could truly show up our best self even when it doesn't feel like we can like what little what little steps we can take I I know I was sharing with you that I struggle with anxiety and so something that I do is I allow space to be like okay I'm having an anxious episode right now I'm going to stop. It's okay that I stop doing whatever it is. I'm going to sit in my car or wherever I am. I'm going to take a walk and I'm just going to start breathing really deeply and slowly for as long as I need to, even if it's hours. And I'm just going to like love myself and and be okay that this is who I am. And I'm just going to take a really deep breath. So whatever happens after the few hours, I could show up with vibrancy. You were sharing with me, you know, a special trick about hormones, which I'm really eager to hear about. So can you tell us how can we balance our hormones?
1: So first I'll talk about anxiety and then I'll talk about uh, how I kind of tackle on multiple angle. Um, I grew up with a lot of anxiety. I really didn't know why I have anxiety and what causes me, but I I do get more anxiety than anyone else, but the people can see me on my face. So that's like a beautiful facade I have because I'm an introvert. And when I grew going to groups, my suddenly my, you know, fear of all my own biases gets kicked in and I start to judge myself and start to stab at myself. So that kind of causes anxiety. So the first thing I wanted to see is what are the, as I said, I'm an engineer, right? So I'm going to write down all this stuff. The first thing I realized was what is the things that actually activate your anxiety? The first one was hormones that you had to really look into. What I realized is um, most of the women's hormones are always fluctuating a lot and I wish someone told us early on in our life that if you balance that piece, it will. So if you have high estrogen, you're going to be very jittery, very anxiety because it is the anxiety producing uh, hormone if you have progesterone you're calm you're happy if you have testosterone you have energy you have that positivity or also a little bitchy. I either way everything has the positive and the negative side but it has to be balanced and that particular one is never tested in our bodies early on in our life so we always think like it's us everyone thinks it's our problem but if you get your hormone balanced which in men, it doesn't happen that much, but for women, yes, because of the birth control pills and other things that gets added, it really disrupts our health. So that was the first thing. This one was an amazing discovery because of my own health crisis that I faced last year. I was able to do research. I said, if we could educate women to understand their hormonal health They can conquer their midlife so much better because everything starts triggering at 12 years old and neither the mothers or grandmothers do do not have any information. My mom did not have anything. She didn't tell me anything. So that was the first thing. The second anxiety is when you have too many task items and you're not able to take action right it's all in your head so a lot of things are going usually i write it down and there was one ted talk which says is the art of getting things done write everything in your operating system that's happening write down the checklist and then start to assign what's important what's urgent what can be postponed And when you feel that anxiety, write it down. And it's usually driven by not ability to take action is what causes anxiety. And the third one is the people, right? People bring anxiety very fast. Some people calm you down. Some people will exhilarate. Just attach a neutral emotion. Neither get excited, neither get, you know, too upset because people have a way to activate good or bad. So when you do look at those three areas of anxiety and just look at and say, first get your hormones right, look at your task list, fix that one, and then look at the people around you and clean up that one too. So then you're all good.
0: I'm really grateful that you're bringing up hormones. I don't think it's ever come up on the show, which is insane because we've been doing this since about 2014, hundreds of guests. Uh, It's surprising to me that hormones have never come up. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because as, you know, we have the time of month, I noticed that I do have some sort of hormonal imbalance, but I didn't I wasn't even aware of that until a few years ago that I just thought that what's wrong with me? Like why am I thinking this? And then it was actually a guy friend that suggested, "Have you ever timed it with your time of month?" And I'm like, "No." And then I've been paying attention to that for a few years and I'm just like, is there something I can do so that as the hormones shift in my body, I could feel a little bit more grounded when I'm going to have a natural change? And so it is a shame that we're not made more aware of what's going on in our bodies. And it's also a shame that our counterparts, the, the men in our lives, aren't made aware that this is something that you know, we don't have control over and we don't even have a lot of education on (laughs) and it's not, it's just, it's so interesting how much it does impact our lives and so little knowledge is given to us and on what we can do to, you know, feel a sense of balance throughout each month.
1: Yeah. And this particular one, I'm very curious because I faced so much deep pain and I have a deep desire to solve this one, like, as I said, is the deep desire and deep pain allows me to go into a topic and say what is happening and my engineering mind kicks in i have a great doctor she's my endocrinologist who's an expert in hormone she saved my life chelsea i can't thank you enough for giving me a gift and she's my angel in my life so i'm working with her she gave me information on how to really look at my life and Till now, not a single doctor told me about it. Nobody talked about it. They said, oh, you just, it happens no it doesn't so a couple of things that we are working on is to create a documentary on this particular topic to drive awareness because i have a movie fund i have all the producers so anyone who is interested to collaborate with us on this particular documentary to educate the next generation of girls that they never have to suffer what we are suffering because this is a silent suffering and nobody talks about it we don't have to endure like this this is not right because It's just not right. The second thing is I will be commissioning a research work as well as a device creation. So if anyone is interested in saying, I want to do something about it, one is a measurement tracker for us. So that it tells us in our day, which of the hormone is off or on so we could actually get the right supplement to deal with because you with the minerals you can actually balance your hormones you don't have to go and get very expensive meds it can be handled through veggies it can be handled through the right proteins you can balance your hormones there so what you need is a meter now we can measure heart rate why can't we measure hormones we can totally measure hormones and that has to be done and then a research on What kind of things needs to be done? So from a policy standpoint, a hormone research or hormone study is done on a quarterly basis or a yearly basis. It becomes part of our prescriptive health so that girls and women, when they're going through it, they're able to manage it. Because Right now, the OBYGN only gets two hours of training on you know hormonal health, and then you have to go to an endocrinologist, so I think they both are disconnected, so you need a policy to kind of get the woman's health in order. That's my spiel
0: I love that we're starting the conversation it's It's such an interesting time that this came up in an interview this week i i I wear an aura ring, and so I track. My time and how my body fluctuates with it. I talk, track my body temperature, etc., with my aura ring and I, I'm I kind of have it down that about a week and a half to two weeks before that time, my I start to shift. So I was like, okay, I'm an experiment with St. John's Wort and with evening primrose to see if it shifts less. And I i literally have no guide. I just heard about it somewhere and I'm like, okay, just let me see if this works. So I love the work that you're doing because we should be able to understand what's going on with our homelands just as much as we're able to understand what's going on with our heart rate. And I think that that is beautiful. Speaking of things that we get to experience is um, motherhood. So many guests, so many podcast guests have shared how guilty they feel <laughs> working and being a mom in tandem. I think it is so beautiful, the connective relationship you have with your children. What do you tell yourself to release that guilt or do you have that guilt too? How were, have you been able to be this driven woman and be the mom that you wanna be in tandem? Oh
1: boy, that's such a beautiful question. Okay, so being a First of all, I was diagnosed that I can never have a kid. So when I had a kid, I really was grateful that I could be a mother. And I think being a mother has taught me to be patient, highly tolerant, highly like the kindness that you do. They drive me crazy, but in a good way. Um, both of them are very grounded kids. But yeah, we we as a family always, there is. they both have grown up to be leaders. Both of them uh, were the ASB presidents of the school. So they we really invested on leadership. So coming to guilt, guiltiness, yes, I cannot show up to a lot of their events. I can't show up to a lot of their activities. I can't be part of the PTSA. I used to feel so guilty. But I always used to figure out is I don't have a ba- you know a family here to kind of get back because we are an immigrant first generation immigrant family and I would tell all the parents is like you don't understand we have to be working otherwise we don't have any backup plan we are the backup plan for our kids so we have to be working we have to do what we need to do. And the kids used to always complain, saying that you are not showing up. And I would always find one or two reasons is who else did not show up? And I would keep a tab on who did not show up. So I would have to send an email to the teacher or send some special things. But this is how I solved the guilt problem. We created a new program called as creative children for charity. It was creating volunteer opportunities for kids so they could put it into the college application for doing some phenomenal work. So every year we did two or three cool activity made my kids do those execution of that so they could learn leadership skill. And all the mothers would complain. It's like, you are so cool. My kids are complaining that I can do what you do. I was like, fantastic. God changed the path. So I said, is you know, you handle there. I will handle here. So we develop our kids together. So from the school perspective, you can help me out. And I will help you with the leadership skilling because that's what I'm good at. Every kid who has gone through the program have gone into some of the best colleges. Some are in Yale, some are in Stanford, some are in UW. So those things really mattered. So we kind of did a collective action for raising the kids but when i think about guilt yes it will be always there but find something that you are fun that the friends and their kids will say oh your mom was really cool or your dad was really cool and my husband is extremely supportive he took care of all the schooling related stuff i took care of all the external community stuff so they could do volunteering and do the leadership skilling in the community itself so we kind of kind of did split of work And then we helped our kids to grow up as good human beings with good character. But it really started with having a family operating system, mission and values. So anytime, you know, something went wrong, we would go back to our value system and say, did we violate that value? Here is how we fix it. So it's been really fun to raise them.
0: I love this. What a beautiful response. It seems like uh, the through line between uh, your personal life and your professional life is values, community, and processes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And transformation of people. (laughs) Yes. And transformation of people. Um, The best piece of advice that you've gotten that's helped accelerate your career?
1: Best advice. Lead with kindness. Uh, Lead with kindness. Ensure that people matter before anything. So when they meet you, when they connect with you, they should feel like they were seen, being recognized, uh, felt that they mattered their time. So give your entire awareness and presence and attention to them. And through kindness, and that's the best gift you can give people. So that's the kind of identity I have focused on. Like I always say, my identity goes with like Tesla plus Cleopatra plus Mother Teresa plus Oprah. I mean, you come all those identity. I think I am kind of that person.
0: I heard this great thing this week that I'd never heard before. It was this uh, guy named Justin, and I can't think of his last name right now. But he talks about this concept called uh, the way you manifest is by being, not by getting. And so a lot of people think of manifestation as I'm gonna get the house or get the car or get the job or whatever they wanna manifest. He's like, it's not about getting something, it's about who you're being and are you creating the, the I guess, how do you put it, like the sustainability, to have those things in your life by who you're being. And so by being a kind person, the kindness is gonna lead to the abundance, which is gonna lead to the relationships. but you're being the kind. And so I thought that was really powerful shift in perspective, at least for me, on how to see manifestation.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you should also know is who you want to become at the end of the day. Mm. I wrote my eulogy uh, 20 years ago. Stop. Yes, and (laughs) and I wrote exactly what I wanted people should say, the words they should say. And then I said, anyone in my network who can actually say it, this year was my 50th birthday. I felt the eulogy was read exactly like that. It was such a magical moment when people were saying, I felt my eulogy came to life. And I said, I got to experience when I'm alive and i told every one of my friend as i cannot thank enough that each one of you said what you said because it was exactly what i wanted to hear i'm alive and i got to hear that so it was really wonderful so i think it really matters when you really set your intention right and take care of the people around you everything happens magically you don't even have to do everything follows after that
0: wow you wrote your eulogy <laughs> I think I want to do that, but I'm like scared, like it that feels so scary.
1: Actually, it's very liberating. Once you know that, it's uh, then you get to function at your ultimate potential and ultimate power. It's very hard to, there's no competition after that. You are your own competition because you want to get there. So I said, okay, I'm going to revise my eulogy this year. So that's what I'm going to work on, the second version of it.
0: Wow. That's really cool. I hope that everybody listening does that. I know I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sit with that and and possibly do that myself. That that sounds really really cool. The the I'm always curious to know what's a huge obstacle you've overcome in your work successfully. So something that was a really tremendous challenge but you overcame it successfully.
1: I would say is um people intelligence was probably one of the hardest skill to acquire um, because I came from a family where um, I don't think they taught us how to deal with people. Um, We were grown with a mindset that people in the world are bad. So, And so they shielded me from not having the courage to have difficult conversations when something goes wrong. So the the human nature is something that they didn't teach us in school, neither at home, neither at any community piece. So I would say is understanding human and their nature and the motivation and their uh, desires and their pain, that I really couldn't. Till I read uh, Robert Greene's book, The Human Nature, it opened my mind for the first. It's like my Bible. I would want every founder to read that from page to page, take notes, because it talked about all the political leaders, all the uh, experts in the world, how they navigate that one. And I was like, oh, I could totally spot myself. Uh, I totally can spot where my bias comes from. And I had to really understand myself before i could judge anyone else so now what i do is if there is a judgment coming it's really my reflection of my bias on someone so i realized is understanding me as a person gave me more power to go into the world to serve more effectively and there's a stoic quote so when i meet with people and this stoic quote really helped me really rethink how I engage uh, people, because it, there's always judgment that comes in, right? And this do I quote kind of neutralize it. It says is, I don't care about what I think about myself. I don't care about what you think about myself. I care about what you think I think about myself. <laughs> I was like, holy moly. So whenever I'm thinking, oh, this person is going to think about me, I'm like, no, they don't have time to think about me. It's me thinking about them, about me. So that one was so powerful, gave me the freedom to really come to the conversation and really listen to them rather than trying to put my judgment on myself when they don't even have because we're just having a great
0: conversation. Totally. (laughs) <laughs> oh, beautiful. You talked about the book Human Nature. A couple more quickfire questions. Your go to podcast or YouTube channel or um, author it could be a Twitter user. Who is your go to that like a must check out person?
1: I would say uh, the writer of Atomic Habits. Yes, James Clear. James Clear. Process, process, yes. Love it. He's one of my favorite author and also somebody who breaks down into simple stuff. Uh, I love Robert Greene. I love all his books. It's like my history because I love history, so he writes from a history point of view, so it's very fascinating. Uh, there's a new book that has come in. It's called as The Fourth Turning by Neil. Uh, I don't remember his last name, but it talks about how the generations move and change and what to expect over the next 10, 20 years. It's fascinating. I love the movie, which is leaving the world behind. Because it was executive producers for Michelle and Obama, so I wanted to really see it, really touched my heart because as a fund owner of a movies and a film producer recently, I want to see what movies actually make you think and make you ponder. This movie is on my head all day long. I don't know, there's something about the fourth turning plus this book really opened up the human nature at a completely different level of what is possible and we need to really think through it and why we want to get women into more readiness state so you don't want to be caught as surprise.
0: What is your favorite app or mobile app? It could be anything, personal life, professional life. I just love discovering software.
1: (laughs) My favorite uh, application is beautiful.ai because I love to create products. AppSumo to buy all my products. I love testing all software. uh, Every month I'm testing one product and I'll buy a product because I want to make the founder know that I'm a one customer who's interested and I'm testing it out. If I like it, I'll send them the notes and do it. Uh, Recently, I am interested in IMDB because I'm like just curious about how movie world is completely different than LinkedIn, and the conversations are so different of what happens in the entertainment world versus a tech world. So it's pretty fascinating, which has been really cool. Right now, I'm like trying to figure out is the health app, what is a good health app, which allows me to kind of track all the information and history in a proper way. I have not found anything till now.
0: Yeah, I feel like there is probably a woman out there who can DM you a health app. I'm sure there's got to be. Oh my god! I told yes. you I use Aura Ring, but I think you want something more comprehensive than that. Um, I, oh, I, Levels. Levels was great when I was using it, but even that, I feel like you want something that really I, leans into the the womanhood. Yeah, it
1: is. And also tracking care of your parents' health issues and your kids' health issues. So it's kind of a family uh, place for managing all the health paperwork and all the stuff. Right now, I feel like there are 10 different systems. My kids have no idea what I'm going through other than, oh, mom is always in pain uh, uh, or she's healing from it. But I think for their history or for future they should go back and say, oh, this is what kind of the information I should be looking. So we could document that one for them. So they don't have to struggle like what we are struggling with, so.
0: And I have one recommendation for you before my my very last question is, I just recently listened to a Marissa Peer episode. Have you heard of Marissa Peer? P-E-E-R? Oh, I love her, I love okay. her. <laughs> There's this episode specifically on, oh, man, I don't remember this guy's thing, but I'll send it to you after, and she, did you hear about how she healed herself of cancer no it's through words and her thoughts and it's just really mind-blowing so i'll find the link we'll also include it in the show notes we have so many listeners around the world is if there was one thing that we could do to support your success to accelerate you right now what would that ask be
1: for each and every woman around the world if you're listening first just take care of yourself uh getting into a place of influence and power. You have to really transform yourself. You need to conquer your fear. You need to think big. You need to invest in yourself to do the grind to be where you're bold and confident. Like you need to acquire the confidence. And once you acquire the confidence, you can be able to help any company, any people in your ecosystem to make an impact. And if our paths cross, I think let's do something really cool initiatives together, maybe a scholarship program or a coaching program or some ESG program, but to ensure that women are in the executive roles, leading and contributing, collaborating, orchestrating roles, so that each and every woman has a small community or a large community that can drive them to the excellence, to their ultimate potential. So that would be my ask of them. I think it's really self-investment and uh, go and be part of a community and start learning from them. I think it's really be very powerful.
0: I love it. Chaitra, this has been such a beautiful conversation. Thank you for spending your time with the Women in Tech podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited that you got me a chance to be part of it. Anyone who is uh, looking to enter into the tech workforce and really trying to figure out what they need to do, They actually have to get certified in cloud and AI because the universities are not providing those certification opportunities. So they can come to womenincloud.com and apply for scholarships. And once you get the scholarship, you go get trained on a Coursera, it's a self-study. And then we have a community to help you ensure that you get certified Once you are certified, then we share your resume with the corporations. So ensure that you get your certification done on cloud and AI services. Very critical to get into the tech workforce today.
0: Now, do you need to go to college in order to be a part of that program? Or could you be out of high school or even still in high school or just, you know, and not have a formal education?
1: You don't need a formal education. You can be in college, you can be in high school, or you are upskilling or getting skilled. You can use the scholarship. It's really your desire uh, to get into the tech industry. What we are looking is uh, the, the platform that we're using, can they also provide a college degree because they went through the education and got certified. So that's, that's uh, another evolution of the transformation we are working through. We are rolling out Icons documentary, which is to help women understand how they can become an iconic role model in the tech ecosystem. The movie will be featured and premiered at South by Southwest. So very excited about that. Uh, And the second one is the Cloud and AI scholarship are available for women to really get certified and secure tech job as quickly as possible. So anytime they think about how do I get into tech, go get that scholarship, it's made accessible for them. And we have already uh, distributed 3000 and more is coming through the through the partnerships that we have with corporations.
0: And where can they find out more about the scholarships as well as more about the ICON?
1: They can find everything on womenincloud.com. So if they go in there and look for scholarships, they will find the scholarship. If they want to be part of the entertainment experience, either to invest or to watch or to promote um, and be part of the premiere screening, they can come on our
0: website. So am I seeing you at South By? Because I'm gonna be there.
1: Yeah, I will be there too. Ah! Yay! So mark your calendars, March thirteenth, <laughs> yes. and you will be part of that. Maybe I can have you actually moderate the panel. How
0: about that? I'm- Stop! I'm in. Yeah. Done. Perfect. Ah, that's so exciting! Oh my gosh! Yeah, I love South by. To connect and to celebrate more women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech community at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you. Talk to you all the things in the next episode. Bye, bye.
1: Hi, I'm Chaitra Vedlapalli. I'm the CMO at Mailer and president of Women in Cloud. Mela provides world-class go-to-market services for tech companies to do business with hyperscalers like Microsoft and Google. We are based in Seattle, Washington, and you're listening to Women in Tech.